Agents Podcast. Welcome to the Lab Code Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Lab Code Agents Marketing Center. The LCA Marketing Center is designed specifically for the real estate world. It's a design center for marketing that has templates created so you can just plug and play. From flyers, postcards, buyer presentations to open house signs and Instagram posts. Check it out for free for seven days at lcamarketingcenter.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast. Today you're in for a treat as Nick Baldwin talks to Mike McCann, the number one agent in Philadelphia, about culture, systems, work-life balance, and the school of hard knocks. We can all take something away from Mike's optimism and energy. So let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Lab Code Agents podcast. I am your host, Nick Baldwin. And today we have a really super amazing, I'm just so honored to have this guy on the show with us today. He is the real estate man, Mike McCann, the real estate man. He is not only a super like incredible, kind, like high energy person. He has been the number one agent in Philadelphia for like three decades. Let me just read you some of these numbers, right? Over 2 billion in real estate sold. He sold over 8,000 homes and he has over a hundred five-star reviews on Zillow. But the numbers are one thing. The man is another and we're going to get right into that. And Mike, thank you so much for joining us today on Lab Code Agents. It's super exciting to have you. I've been wanting to pick your brain for a long time. So thanks for being here. Oh, wow. Thanks for inviting me, Nick. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's going to be, I'm, I'm like, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. I love being able to talk to guys like you who have like built such big businesses, but the most important stay super humble and down to earth. And for those of you who can't see us right now, we have the same haircut. So <laughs> no hair at all, no hair at all. So Mike, thank you so much. Hey, let's just get right into it, man. So you were born and raised in Philly, right? And you basically came from absolutely nothing. Like nobody handed you an opportunity. You went out there and you you created this for yourself. So talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and, 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 and how you were born and raised in Philadelphia. Yes, born and bred in Philly. Most people in Philly stay within a 50-mile radius. But the message that, that, that I want to say is I was not always Mike McCann, the real estate man. I grew up in far northeast Philly, and I moved down to Center City, Philadelphia, 22. Uh, I was in the restaurant business. I sold vacuums door to door. I uh, worked in a rest, uh, a dishwasher throughout high school. I always worked. But one, one of the things that I really want to say is that I knew, I always said to my mom, I wish I had a job where the harder I work, and today I say harder slash smarter, uh, the more I could make. Because when I was a dishwasher at 12, I was the best dishwasher. I worked the hardest. When I was the prep man at 14, I, I worked the hardest. When I got out of high school, I bailed on college and I went and worked in the sewers. I was the best sewer worker. At 19, I sold vacuums door to door for three and a half years. I was the best sales guy there. So when I ran into real estate, I thought, oh my goodness. And that wasn't until I was 27. Wow, you can make commissions selling houses? <laughs> oh my goodness. 
And it was what I had always dreamed about, where the harder you work, slash smarter now, the more you can make. But I always, I was raised with my mom and three sisters, and we didn't have much. So that's why I was a hard worker at a very young age. I wanted a mini bike. My friend's parents bought their mini bikes. I had to save for my own mini bike. And when I got that mini bike, I took care of it the best because it took me two years to save up. I drove it the most. So I learned early on, thank goodness, the reward of hard work and the benefits of that. But my mom and three sisters taught me to love. I always love everybody. Whether it was that I would support the kid that got beat up in school or I could hang with the crazy guys. It didn't matter. I could find something I liked in people. And, and so I am naturally a lover of people. Well, I mean, that shines through in, in the culture that you have on your team, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to get to that in succession because you have such an amazing culture and your energy is infectious. Uh, so I'm going to definitely get more into that in a little while. But so you decided to get into selling real estate uh, after, I mean, even as a child, you understood the uh, working hard is going to get you someplace in life. And I'm glad that you realize that because I think nowadays, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite, right? We're dealing with people that think that things are going to be handed to them. They get into the real estate business and like, ooh, these leads, these leads, these leads. But you got started in from very humble beginnings. And I think that that helped craft who you are today, which is great. So when you first got into real estate, how did you initially start growing your business? Because you've been a top agent in Philly or the top agent for three decades. So what, when did that start to grow for you? And what were you doing specifically to build that business at first? I love my life and I don't regret anything, but I got to tell you, if there were a Keller Williams with a system back when I got in business, I would have accelerated even much faster. Um, <laughs> June of 86, I started. There was no internet, uh, no multiple listing in the computer. And I was silly enough, didn't know enough, that I started working for a company that just managed properties. They didn't even sell real estate. It was a friend of my friend. And so I had zero training, zero mentors. So the beauty about that was to get training, I had to go outside of the marketplace. So I started to go to the NAR convention, the PAR, National Association of Realtors, the PAR convention, Pennsylvania Association of Realtors. Uh, I read every book in real estate and I followed the top, looked at the top agents in the marketplace. So I'm with a little company in the basement of a house. Uh, it was a house and, and uh, trying to learn real estate. For the first year and a half, I still worked in the restaurant business about 35 hours a week, but at 1030, in the morning until about eight at night, I would do real estate Monday through Friday and in the day, Saturday and Sunday. So I learned on my own with a company that didn't even sell real estate. So I had to sell myself and I had to sell real estate. But by my third year, 1988, I did uh, 90 transactions and I was the number one agent in Philadelphia. No conveyancer, no in-house mortgage, no in-house title. I did everything myself. So that, that, that was awesome. And, but ready for this, man, this was the eighties and this was Philly. It was not white hot the way it is today. <laughs> three and a half million in business, 90 transactions, wow. three and a half million. You got paid 50% back then. So I think I made $45,000 doing 90 <laughs> transactions. Wow, man. And they okay. said, 
they say this lifestyle is glamorous. That's the complete opposite of glamour, in my opinion. <laughs> you said something really interesting then, and this is something that Tristan and I talk about a lot in our lab code agents group, events, right? Like going to events is so imperative to one's business to be surrounded by higher level people. But And, and you were doing that way back in the day. Like you had to teach yourself what needed to get done. So like what, what made you realize, you know what, I got to be around these people. I got to go to these events. I got to go to NAR because I'm not getting mentorship here. Like how did you decide that that was what was going to be important for your business and for your growth? That's a great question. What I learned early on in real estate was, wow, everybody cooperates. There's a listing agent, a selling agent. So I said to myself, and these are the fundamentals that so many people miss. I said to myself, I want to become the, have the best reputation in the marketplace, not just among the customers, but among the real estate community. I want to become the most educated. Most agents get their license, and especially back then, and don't do any additional training. I took every course that Temple University offered each semester. I went outside of the marketplace, which was great because Philly's always behind the ball a little bit. And I read all the top books of the day. So I wanted to become the best reputation, become the most educated so I could help not just my clients, but my fellow realtors. And of course, the hardest working. And again, now the hardest slash smartest working. Those are the three traits that I never lost. And, and, I, and I, I always have given back. So I joined the Board of Realtors, made contacts, went to NAR, went to PARC, read the books, and followed the top agents in the marketplace in that day. You said something really important there, <clears throat> cooperating, cooperation, right? I think like people forget that word in, in, in this industry this today. And, and when you are trying to build a business for yourself, you're not only, you know, representing your clients the best way possible. You got to represent yourself the best way possible and always try and get along with your fellow agent that's on the other side of the deal. And I bet you, if I'm wrong, you did create that reputation for yourself. And that's, that's so important because when you're when you're representing your clients and they and, and they and someone gets an offer from Mike McCann, they're like, you know what, Mike is great. I know this is gonna be a, a smooth deal. And I highly recommend that we choose this offer. I bet you that that helps you and it still helps you today, right? Nick, you hit it right on the head. That is absolutely the case. Before we had the appointment center setting appointments up, and still today, agents will call my office and say, Mike, what do you have or what does Mike have? Because I want to show his listings because I want to sell his listings. <laughs> That's great. Because they know they work with you. It's going to be a good time. And because I help them. And so many agents would give you incredible testimonials. And people are blown away today because they see Mike became the real estate man all over. And they have this image. And then when they reach out to me, they see how fast I respond. They see how thorough I respond. They see how I give them the tools to help them close the deal and help us close the deal. And they always tell me, I love doing deals. When I bring them deals, you're right. They will work diligently to close our deal versus other deals and know that our deals are going to go. So the key to success is reputation among the real estate community and helping them out. I love that. So anyone listening, cooperation 
cooperating broker. That is a big word. Don't be with each other. We've all got one common goal. Get the deal done, right? Obviously, you're representing you know, your own party. But at the end of the day, both parties want that deal to come together. So <clears throat> don't stand in your own way. I think that's a big problem with agents uh, today, standing in their own way. So my additional knowledge and my cooperation and when I have crazy people monitoring them and sorting through that helps my clients big time. And I do it in a way that the agents are, great idea, Mike. Okay, I'll try that. Good point, Mike. Oh, thank you. I didn't think of that. So that knowledge, it, it helps all of us. The other agents, whether they're with our company or any other company, they're not my competitors. I want them to be professional, Nick. I want this in, you know, when there's two agents working together, there's a person that wants to buy, a person that wants to sell. Everybody wants the same thing. But too often, lack of knowledge, lack of communication, lack of cooperation, or petty personalities get in the way. I read through all that, and 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 that really closes so many deals. Oh, man. You know, listen, like ego is just the, one of the number one problems in our business. And, you know, ego gets in our own way, and it causes us to make you know, the wrong decisions and, and, and they can kill, can kill a deal. So I, I mean, I'm completely on board with that. I think, you know, the more eager you are to help your fellow agent, listen, we, you remember what it was like when you first started and now you're 30 years in and you still, you still don't know everything. Right. And so you always have to know a teaching moment when you see it. And I bet you that when you're doing a deal with someone on the other end, you can, you can identify that and that person really respects the fact that you taught them and you and you guided them through a specific process because we all need that once in a Absolutely. while. And, and I'm always, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Great job. You're the best. Let me see if I can do this. You know, like, like just, just positive affirmations throughout the transaction, both to my clients and to the, to the agent. And I, one of my key things are, and again, I'm old school is patient, persistence overcomes resistance. So patiently picking away and, and overcoming everybody's obstacles, you will get a deal done. Don't swim three quarters of the way across the ocean and then turn around. It drives me crazy. Okay, well, thanks, Mike. I'm like, what do you mean, thanks, Mike? Like, come back. This is These were our terms. Give me something else. So I, I keep patient persistence overcomes resistance. Love it. So good. Hey, so <clears throat> something amazing that you have created, Mike, is the culture on your team. And, you know, you, you, you see a lot of teams that have a revolving door of agents and they have a revolving door type of hiring process, too. So I don't know what your hiring process is, but what and I'm going to ask you about it. But I love the fact that you've had people on your team for, what, 20 years. There's some people that have been on your team for 20 years, right? Yeah, many. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment in its own. And it says a lot about you and it says a lot about the culture you have on your team. So let's, so I want to talk a little bit about how you hire someone. And I'm assuming with that longevity, you don't do it very often, right? Um, so what do you look for in somebody? And then how do you keep them engaged for so long? Because a lot of people, they're like, you know, I want to build my own empire, right? And they leave, they think they're better and they want to go off and do their own thing. So what do you look for in someone and then how do you keep them? And that's a great question. And did you ever hear that song for uh, Hotel California? Of course. It's a and classic. It's one of those lines in there. Uh, a lovely place, but you can yeah. never 
leave. <laughs> oh, there you go. So your team is like the Hotel California. <laughs> so no, um, but what blows me away is, you know, I switched to Keller about nine months ago. And as I'm learning the Keller system, the, the culture is exactly the same as my team. And that is family first and then business. And that is, has always been our culture. So my hiring has changed over the years because things have changed over the years. Mm -hmm. So initially I hired my first assistant in 1989. You didn't even have buyer agency then, but my wife said, Mike, she has the brain of uh, I'm sales. My wife has the brain of details. So she created checklists for me. And then I hired an assistant. So someone that could work off of those checklists, but that was just a neighbor whose kids had all been off to school and she was going to start working. Fast forward today, I do use a consultant company, Lindsay, uh, who does consulting. She hires for me. So I pay, uh, this is for administrative assistance. So mm -hmm. $2,000 and they do. Wait, I think I know who is, I think I know her, Lindsay. Capani, I, I always say the last Cipriani. Name. Cipriani, yeah. I know Lindsay. Yeah, okay. that's awesome. She's awesome. She's hired probably my last four assistants. Okay. Um, today, we have 10 full-time administrative support, and we have 20 agents. Since we've hired Lindsay, is she does those, those personality tests. She screens them. So before they come to, to us, and it's actually my wife, we'll look at YouTube videos of the person, and then we'll decide to, to, to meet them. You know, back in the day, I was like, oh, yeah, you look good. Okay, great. I would hire you. I'm the worst. <laughs> I love everybody. I want to help everybody. Now we do a more so professional funny. way. Best advice I could tell anyone is you don't have an assistant. You are one. And so you need to get one. Take three months worth of reserve, put it in the bank, put that your assistant money and hire someone and say, this is a 90 day job. If in 90 days this works out, Hopefully, then you will be a long-term employee. But most agents who don't have assistants are scared. They don't have the money. They're self-employed. So put three months in the bank so you don't have that stress. Hire a professional person to hire for you. And if you're looking for a support assistant, you want someone that's not a socialite like me, you know, running around and talking to people. You want someone who's <laughs> details. So that's... Yeah. So, so that's the best thing. And the quality of assistance has changed. My support staff is, un, is unbelievable now. So, so that's for that. For As far as agents, I'm very selective. Um, I, right, you're right. Every couple of years, I might hire a couple. And I might be doing a growth mode in about a year from now when we expand office space. Mm -hmm. But the key thing for me in hiring is, is people that have my same values, meaning Family, hard work, and want to grow personally. So, and have a need to work and uh, want to grow. And then I call it one in one is three. So many of my agents couldn't make higher commission cuts or be on their own, but one and one normally is two, but with us, it adds up to three, meaning one agent, or agent he or she doesn't need me. I don't need them, but together we add up to three. So I give more than I get. They, they give, they give more than they get. And we add up 
together. And that's what I do. It's, I never want to restrict people's income. I want them to grow. I, I do everything. I'm just like Gary Keller. Actually, I just, I'm fighting for my team. I'm the rainmaker. I'm growing my team. I'm giving them support. I'm giving them leads. I'm always here for them. And I'm giving them positive inspiration and, and feedback. Yet, I don't want people that are, you know, government employees and look at a clock. You know, I need people that know that are entrepreneurial and want to grow and enjoy the growth. So hiring correctly is the most important, is the most important thing. Two totally different positions, salespeople versus your support staff. You know, whether it's, we have two, two marketing people now, one marketing person. We have two listing coordinators, two closing coordinators, a conveyancer, operations manager now that since we came to Keller, we're learning their system. So now we have an operations manager, special event people. So we've, we've really grown with that, but my agents, their role is to make do what I call money-making activities. I want them out on the street. I don't want them in the office and I want my support people to support them. And as they grow, so do my support people and we like to take care of them. Yeah, that brings me to a question <clears throat> that I didn't have initially written down, but I'll ask in a second. I just wanted to say that you and I are like in the, in the sense of like, I like everybody. And so like, I should never hire anyone, yeah. right? So my wife is the details person too. And she goes, but you are, no, you can, you're not allowed to hire anybody. They go through me because uh-huh. she's, you know, the organizational one and the diligent one. And I'm like, I like that guy. You know what I mean? He was cool. Right. So I'm totally on the same page with you on the, with that. So, uh, yeah. So you want your agents out on the street. That's great. You got the support staff back at the office in case they need anything. So it leads me to this question. What is like, what is an average? Well, no, I don't think anything's average with you guys, but like, what does a day look like for your agents? You know, do they start the day off with lead generating activities and then go on appointments? What does it look like? Uh, for them on a daily basis. Okay. So again, as we're learning the Keller systems, we're changing a little bit, but mm-hmm. we're having coffee meeting every other week. We're getting together more. There's way more uh, training in this office. So I'm seeing them a lot more, but they, they, they should be up dressed, ready to go and either in the office or at an appointment at nine o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's what they should do. I don't, ha- I have not done this set aside and we might be doing that for calling um, but we are starting to call. We just started with that 33 touch system. Mm-hmm. We just put that together. But normally I let them know it's the law of averages. If you don't have, you need to have appointments. If, if every third person you meet, you make a sale to, and you want to have three sales this week, you need nine appointments. Now you might do nine appointments and not make one sale. And then the next three appointments, you're going to make three sales. Mm-hmm. It's the law of averages. No matter how good you are, you need to meet people. Don't sit on your computer. You know, don't sit on Facebook. Don't like all of that stuff is great. I'm on Facebook. I'm on marketing. But my key wall is, is Nick, when are you typically available? Morning, afternoon, or evening? Great. I'd love to meet you. Let me, let's meet at this coffee shop. Let me meet at your house. Whatever. Get that face-to-face appointment. So, for me, it's I don't control their 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 stuff. I provide them with leads. I provide them with support, mm. and I support them throughout the day. Um, but we're in a lot. Like we're in and we're out. I'm in and out three or four times in a day. Mm. I probably only spend now a little bit more because of the training classes we're doing. But I probably about ten hours a week physically in the office. Mm. 
Uh, my walk, I like to have at least three appointments a day. That's what I'd like to have three to four appointments a day. Um, right. So if, if you're going to do other activities that, that, that aren't that, like if you, you know, you say it's important, they got to be in front of people completely agree. But if you're going to do activities, they should be activities that get you there. Right. So like if your model is lead generating on social media, it should be to get you in front of somebody, right. Get out from behind the text, get out from behind the instant message and get out there and, and get in front of that person. Even if it's just like for a cup of coffee, because you never, you never know. So you're still in production currently. That is correct. So, uh, yeah, uh, unlike the Keller system, I am out on the street. That is what I do. Yeah. I pretty much learned business from outside of my marketplace. So I was always ahead of the business in the sense that in 89, I hired my first assistant. No one had assistants. In 92, I hired my second assistant. In 96, yeah. it was around when buyer agency came in. It might have been 95, 96, somewhere around there. I hired a buyer specialist. And the reason I did that was because I, I was doing 130, 140 deals a year with myself plus two assistants. And we did ads in the paper. We did, we did mail out expired. It was a lot. There was no social media at that time. Mm-hmm. But in 96, I said, you know what? I have three children. I don't want to work Saturdays. So in 96, I hired a person and I said, you're working Saturdays for me. I am not meeting a client. I want to go to soccer, football, basketball, cheerleading, lacrosse, whatever it is. So in 1996, I stopped working Saturdays. And in 1999, about 2000, I stopped working Sundays. Hmm. So now when I say stop working, I didn't meet clients. Yes, I might sneak off into the car at halftime and be returning phone calls because you didn't have the iPhone back then. Or I might be like, you know, where's dad? You know, I might go up to the room for an hour for at home or, or, mm-hmm. or at the Poconos, wherever we are. I still return phone calls, but I stopped meeting. I would be home Friday night at seven o'clock and I would not be back into town meeting clients until Monday morning. And that I was very proud of because who in real estate doesn't work weekends and is doing, you know, by 2000, I was doing two or 300 deals a year. Mm-hmm. And, and who, who does that? But I said, I don't want to be successful and end up divorced and my kids hate me, don't know me. So I created that that balance. So so that so that that was yeah. pretty much very important to me. I think I think I love that because you know, you I think you know, people get into the business, obviously, you know, you gotta put you gotta put the time in, right? You gotta build it up. And then over time you need to bring in the leverage and then and then you have the then you'll have the ability to be all in. So you work really smart over the course of the week and you're all in on the weekends and you know, you might need to step away for, for a time or two and make a call or whatever. But, uh, it's very important. I mean, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and I can honestly tell you that like for me, when my seven-year-old was three or four, when he said to me, daddy, no phone. I was like, Oh my, you know what I mean? you need, you need that reality check. And still I, I struggle with it because I love to work. Right. And you love to work. That's why you're still doing it. Uh, But, but like I hear so many big agents, you know, they're sacrificing their family and they're getting divorced and it's just not worth it to me. Right. Like I would, I told my wife, I was like, I'll throw all this away. If, if, if you, if you said, Nick, this isn't working for us, you know what I mean? Because that's that they're going to be there forever but life isn't 
That, that's, that is absolutely why you're doing it. And I, I am a maniac with, if I'm with someone, my phone's away. My phone never rings or vibrates. It's when I'm available, I look at my phone. So when, <laughs> I, when I get home at night, yeah. my phone goes down. I hang out with my wife for two, two and a half hours. When she goes up to bed, I'm back on my phone. Or if I'm with my kids and it's a couple hours, the phone is away. So I, 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 it drives me crazy when I'm with people and then they're on their phone. Um, so yeah, I, I, mean, I, I know. Team meeting and someone has their phone ring, I go nuts. I do believe in focus and attention. And that's one of the things why people say, like my competitors might say, oh, you'll never get Mike McCann. And then call me, email me, text me. Normally, I'm between two minutes and two hours away from responding because I do check my phone every couple of hours. There's no quiet, even on the weekends. For that, sure. Uh, but I can follow, like, you know, my kids were little, they took their nap. I'm on my phone for an hour. You know what I mean? And then yeah. they would be back down. Or, but because available. Accessibility and availability is the key, but also having that relationship is so important. For sure. And you know what? The thing is, the thing of it is, there's always going to be business. And I would rather miss an opportunity to put my kid to bed every night. I just would. Okay. So I want to talk about, you know, you've got, you've got this great business. You sold over 8,000 homes. Before we went live, you said, you know, I feel kind of silly because like I don't have all the fancy technology. And and I think that that, first of all, is really cool because when I hear top producing agents on stage at events or when we're just talking to them and they're explaining their systems and processes, they're just essentially doing the work, right? There's nothing shiny or sexy about it. So, but for someone who's sold over 8,000 homes, there's got to be some sort of system, right? So whether it's technology or whether it's spreadsheets, you know, how do you keep in touch with this huge sphere of influence? Cause you know, everybody. So what does that look like? What's the system for that? Yeah. So I've always had systems and, and I was always for the longest time I was always way ahead of the game. Like I had a website, I worked for Prudential back in the day. I had a website before they had a website. I had mm. a system before. So I had a buyer's agent or a buyer's agent, but then as my business grew, but so I do, one of the reasons why I switched to Keller is because of the artificial intelligence. So our mm-hmm. new one thing is learning the command system, Kelly, the artificial intelligence. But what I've been doing, and that's what I can tell you best, is that I do plain vanilla. I sell a property, I'll send out, I used to hand them out door to door, I'll send out two or 300 just sold cards, mm-hmm. send out 9,000 every other month, uh, a, a postcard to these markets that I've designated that shows what's available, what is sold, and a picture of me in town a little bit about it. So every other month for a decade, and it went from 500 initially, mm-hmm. and then in the, I was doing about 3,000, and then in 08 downturn, Everybody was starting, oh, nine, the market was collapsing. Everybody's freaking out. I stood in front of my team and I said, nobody's going anywhere. If we don't sell another home, I have your money in the bank. And you know what? We're tripling our marketing. How many mailings are we doing? Oh, we're doing 3,000. Make it 9,000. We bought more Zillow. We bought more Realtor.com. We, like, so, so I do just sold cards. I do this uh, 9,000 every other month mailings. I still do ads in local, like local condominium associations or local neighborhood papers. 
because people do still read those. I still do ads in the paper. Of course, uh, when I got on Facebook in 10, uh, I remember in 08, people were like, you got to get on Facebook. I'm like, oh, nah, it's another thing. Forget it. Oh, my God. Uh, and then by, by 10, middle of 2010, I got on Facebook. And by 11, 12, the business I got from Facebook was unbelievable. Yeah. But even more importantly, people, one person came to me and said, Mike, I've known you for four years. Now that you're on Facebook, I really know who Mike McCann is. Because on Facebook, I'm not promoting my business. It's a little bit of business, but it's who Mike McCann is. So people had this image, if they didn't know me, oh, he's this big guy. He's probably fuddied up or whatever. And <laughs> all that, um, that I'm an optimistic guy, that I want to help everybody, that I love to ride motorcycles, that I love my family, who Mike McCann is. And that has, Facebook's been incredible source of referrals and direct business. I am on Realtor.com, Zillow, and Trillia. I am work. That's part of the hope is that I wean off of that addiction. But I do did buy a lot of those uh, zip codes, and I do get business from that too. Yeah, I mean, as long as there's a return on investment, you know, those people can be those people can turn into lifetime clients for sure. It's happened to us. A couple more things, and I want to let you go because you know you're running a big business over there. You're so energetic, like. You had, I was at family reunion in February and that's, you know, a couple months, uh, about a month or so, maybe after you made the switch and you came out and you just so like, you just put a smile on people's faces, man. Everyone's just like, and then, and then you got that Philly accent and that just adds to it. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, how do you, how do you stay so energized all the time? Like, how do you stay positive? You know, what, what are you doing regularly to just mentally stay positive and to just be so high energy? Because it's like the bigger the business, the more stress I'm sure it adds, but you're always like so just refreshing to talk to. So how does, how do you do that? Keyword is gratitude. I am grateful every day. And again, so some, so many of my things sound like old school and blah, blah, but gratitude. I am grateful every morning when I wake up, I thank God in the shower that I am healthy. My family's healthy. I have hot water. I have food. I come out of the shower. I come downstairs. And like when my kids were there, I'd be like, boy, do I feel great. Yo, isn't it a beautiful day? That's just who I am. And if negative things come at me throughout the day, I've never had a bad day in my life. I've had bad moments and bad times, but I've learned to compartmentalize that. You know, you have, someone has a bad deal and they walk around for the next week. I got screwed on this deal or what, whatever. And they walk around for a week and it affects everything in their life. I turn my cheek and start dialing, smiling and dialing. But I was born with, I can't say that this was a train. Mm-hmm. I was born with a smile on my face. I was born optimistic. I was born with the love of my, my you know, just to, just to love people. Um, but I, today I love watching people grow. I love how important I am to my customers. So I am grateful. And I sell homes from two, from 100,000 to 3 million. And so many agents say, well, Mike, if I were you, I would only do million dollar houses. Like, it doesn't matter. I love Joe Plummer or I love Joe CEO. <laughs> and, and I love everybody in between. And I love how important I become in their life because I don't just sell real estate. When my clients come to me, I am their therapist, their counselor, their contractor, their insurance guy, their, 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 
they're everything again without the legal advice or, or whatever. <laughs> but, but I help them. I, I help them from soup to nuts. I mean, I have people, people come to me 20, 20 I just had a couple come to me. Mike, you probably don't remember me. You sold me a house in 1989. I'm like, it was Roy, Roy and Earl. I'm like, guys, I remember you perfectly. And I told them about the address. Cause if you give me an address, I'll remember everything about that deal. Yeah. So, so gratitude, being humble, being grateful every day, loving what you do. You never have to work a day in your life and um, helping people. Even when I had no money, nothing, I would always help people. And that helps you more than the person you're helping. Uh, what, what I loved about what you said just now was you've never had a bad day. You've had bad moments of a day, but you've never had a bad day. Like that so many, so many people can allow a moment just ruin their entire day. Right. But you know, there's nothing wrong with having a few minutes of, of, of being upset. Right. But it's up to you if that's going to affect the whole 24 hours. So I really like, I like that. I feel like I want to put that on a t-shirt. I've never had a bad day. I've had bad moments. Yeah, It's so true. And you know, I love to ride motorcycles. I've been riding for 50 years on the street for 44 years. And Labor Day weekend, I went down on my motorcycle for the first time doing 55, 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Fractured ankles, fractured ribs, road rash, and unbelievable. So go to the hospital, get out. So you could say that was a bad day. It wasn't. You know why? I was grateful after I went down. My buddy and I went down. I stood up. I was ripped up. I was bleeding. I was alive. I was grateful that my wife wasn't on the back of my motorcycle. So you look for the gratitude in those things. And I'm grateful that I could, you know, and I'm, and I'm fine and I'm back and, and, you know, I'm still wounds. But so being, just being grateful, even in tough times, you got to find that gratitude. Totally agree. Hey, so <clears throat> just a real quick, easy question to, to, to cap this off with. Back in the day when you first started, you know, you went to events, you read, a, you read a lot of books. I'm sure you might, you're still an avid reader. What are a couple of your favorite books uh, that you could recommend or what are you reading now that you could recommend to agents listening to this that, you know, could help grow their business and kind of expand their mind a little bit? What do you recommend? It's so funny. So I don't read like I used to ever since the iPhone because yeah. of social media and, because, and yeah. I'm reading articles and stories and books. But I read the, the and, and then I read like the Philadelphia Business Journal, and, and I look at things. But and I don't. I know this is an independent show, but I've actually been reading the Gary Keller books. The One Thing, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Real estate agent. I never read that, and I've been reading that. Um, so that's what I've been reading recently. Um, oh, great! Well, those two books. Life, yeah, my whole life though, I always only read books, not just in real estate, about people's going from nothing, whether it's political or business, um, success. When I was in fourth grade, I got this book about Thomas Edison, and that was the beginning of my love for reading about personal triumph, people that worked and succeeded and had commitment. And um, so so that's all I've ever, uh, biographies, that's all I've ever read in my whole life. Well, yeah, I mean, Millionaire Real Estate Agent and the one thing, I mean, they're written by Gary Keller, but they're not Keller Williams books. So, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. And side note, if you love Thomas Edison, I'll send you, my dad wrote a biography about Thomas Edison. Yeah. I'll send it to you. It it was a bestseller. Uh, and my dad's a public, he's written about a dozen books. It's called Thomas Edison inventing the century. 
And nice. you can get it on Amazon. Little plug for Neil Baldwin, my dad. But I'll send you a copy and I'll have him awesome. sign it for you. Uh, but yeah, so that's great. Uh, I love that. And, you know, I, I read a lot of uh, leadership, motivational, and then um, implementable, you know, business uh, insight types types of books. I'm reading a book right now called Objections, The Art and Science of Getting Past No, which was written by Jeb Blount, who wrote Fanatical Prospecting. And there's a lot of really cool nuggets in there to have conversations uh, with buyers, sellers, or agents, you know, that you're trying to uh, bring on to your team brokers. So that's a good one that I recommend. But Mike, this has been so much fun. I, I loved talking to you. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day and to sit down with us. And I know that our listeners uh, took away with a ton of great insight. And by the way, guys, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, wherever you find your favorite podcast, if there's a button to subscribe or download, please do that and share it with anyone you feel would get benefit from this and leave a review. Uh, give us five stars, leave a little comment about Mike and, and tell us what you learned and tell him, you know, how great you thought he was. And we are really appreciative that you have listened to this podcast and we're happy that Mike joined us. Yeah, so can thank I say you one more so thing? much. Can yeah, say- go for it, man. Okay. Just real estate is the greatest business in the history of the world. And if you believe you can achieve, and if you want to have a great life, a big life, you can do it in real estate if you persistently work at it. And that's what I tell people. You don't start out as Mike McCann, the real estate man, but it is the greatest. No one can take no one can lay me off. No one can put me. The only challenge, I always compare myself with myself. I don't compare myself to the, someone I grew up with or Gary Keller. I compare myself to myself, so I do better each day, each year. So it's the greatest business in the world, but you have to love it and be committed to it. So- and also on that note, there's no one definition of success. Like if you're continuously focusing on what other people are doing, like if you're like, Look at Mike, you know, he's sold 8,000 homes. I'll never get to that. I'm like, so what? You know, like do what you need to do to feel successful and happy because like you're reading The Millionaire Real Estate. It's not about becoming a millionaire. It's about living your best life and doing the right systems and formulas and, and, and models to get there. Yes. So I totally anyway, agree with you. Thank you so much for having me on. You guys are awesome. And I love your, uh, your Facebook stuff. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you being in the group and for joining us today. Have a great day. You too. Appreciate it. See you soon.